to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. As many of you know, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. Don't hold that against me. Uh, but I remember years ago when Emmett Smith uh, left the Cowboys and went to the Cardinals. <clears throat> and uh, I was disappointed by that. But uh, hearing his, his biography uh, on television, uh, the, the Cardinal players said that Emmett Smith brought their whole organization up a notch because of his work ethic and his leadership and how he influenced the other players that were there. Um, many times there are people in our lives that are influential, but there's no person who's ever lived that is more influential than Jesus Christ and uh, he can truly make a difference in our lives. And uh, we need to observe who Jesus is and what he's done uh, in Scripture so that we can be inspired to follow in his steps. Uh, because we've been called to follow him, right? Jesus said to the disciples, follow me over and over again. And so this is our call. And this Scripture that we have is intentionally comparing the Christian life that we're called to live with the spiritual life that Jesus lived, with the example that Jesus gave uh, in his earthly life. And uh, so um, as we look at this, uh, we need to do so with a heart towards following Jesus in our words, our actions. In our attitudes and in our lives in general. Uh, the time of message is inspired by the greatness of Jesus. So look at me at verse 27. We're going to read into chapter 2 a little bit. But verse 27 says, Just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation, and this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Adopt these same attitudes as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death 
on a cross. Inspired by the greatness of Jesus. What should inspire us about Jesus? Well, first of all, he lived in perfect obedience. He lived in perfect obedience. He was obedient in his uh, lifestyle and his relationship with God. He said, I do nothing but what the Father tells me to do. He was obedient in his ministry. He declared the truth of God's word even when it was unpopular. Uh, he confronted sin. Uh, it took quite a bit of heat for that. He even cleansed the temple. That was a very unpopular thing that he did. And he ultimately went to a cross in perfect obedience. And so he tells us in chapter 1, verse 27, uh, conduct your lives uh, as citizens of heaven. Live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then he says in verse 29, for it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf not only to believe in him, but to suffer for him. In other words, obedience even to the point of suffering for the sake of Christ. Many people will obey Christ as long as it doesn't cost them anything, any comfort or any, uh, any finances, or uh, if it doesn't cost them the time that they must spend. Uh, and so uh, God has called us not to live just kind of an, an easy Christian life, but to to truly obey God from the heart in such a way that even if it leads to suffering, we'll not be deterred from our, our obedience. I think of Martin Luther, who uh, had tacked up his 95 theses upon uh, the door there at Wittenberg in Germany and uh, thought he was just bringing up a debate for scholars. But uh, it so revolutionized the world that it kind of turned it upside down. Uh, and the Reformation began. And Martin Luther began to take quite a bit of heat uh, from those in uh, the Catholic Church who would come against him and say, look, uh, no, you need the church to have salvation. Martin Luther said, no, salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And, and they actually uh, stood together. He, he went before this Catholic council, uh, and they were saying, recant. Uh, this false doctrine you have been teaching about justification by faith in Jesus Christ. And he said, uh, here I stand, I, do, I can do no other. My conscience is held captive to the word of God. And it truly is amazing that Martin Luther wasn't killed uh, for his faith as many were throughout history by those who were opponents. But here's the thing. We need to be willing as God's people to take heed. For the name of Jesus Christ. This goes against political correctness. I don't think we ought to be uh, intentionally politically incorrect just to tick people off. Uh, I think there's something probably in our flesh that wants to do that. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is clinging to the truth of Scripture, being willing to declare the truth of Scripture as the Holy Spirit leads us to witness for the name of Christ and, and to declare Jesus is the only way to salvation even if it costs us the opinion of other people and, uh, and if we lose relationships because of it. Um, oftentimes, people will respect the person who cares enough to share the gospel with them, but sometimes they won't. Um, I've told you the story about that fellow that I witnessed in the military, and he sat on the opposite side of the table. He's never done that before. But from that 
hold on, he said on the opposite side of the table uh, from me because I had tried to, and I wasn't even giving him a hard sell. I just talked with him a little bit briefly about the gospel, but he was offended by it. Um, but we need to uh, ask God through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, help me live in obedience to you even when it costs me something. Um, David uh, was, was offered uh, the, the man who, who said, look, take these, take these animals and, and consider them my gift to you as a king. And he said, no. He said, I'm going to pay you for these animals because I will not offer a sacrifice to God that costs me nothing. The problem with many in the church today, and I know I'm talking to the Sunday night crowd, but many people in the church today don't want to pay the price of following Jesus. I think that's one reason the church of America is in the shape it's in. And so perfect obedience, the perfect obedience of Christ. When you think about that, it is truly an amazing thing to think about. Jesus never one time sinned in his speech. Now, I, I've sinned so many times in my speech, I couldn't even count it. Okay? Jesus never sinned. Now just think of that in context of home life, okay? When you have two kids fighting with each other, right? Whatever it is, you can call each other names, uh, you know, uh, uh, tell them what they think of their IQ and so forth. I'm just using some, um, but but that's that's what we do. We tend to attack each other, right? We get impatient with each other. We lose our tempers, uh, or we gossip. About somebody else, what they've done, and Jesus never did that one time. That's amazing. Jesus never had the wrong attitude. Now, most of us understand, you know, when we're sick. Uh, I heard Charles Stanley one time preach a message saying you, you're more susceptible to temptation when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. It's spelled Paul. Uh, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And I've I put that to memory uh, because I thought that was good. But think about this. Jesus was hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, and never sinned. This is the greatness of our God. There was never a time in Jesus' life where he failed to do what God asked him to do, and never a time where he did what God forbade him to do. But he lived in complete and perfect obedience. His righteousness sets him apart from every other human being who's ever lived. Um, you read uh, some of the biographies of some of the other religions, uh, the, the founders of these other religions, and uh, you find human failure, you find sin, you find scandal, but never with Jesus Christ. He was perfect and spotless in his character. So be inspired by his perfect character. You say, well, preacher, are you asking me to be perfect? I'm asking you to let the Holy Spirit live his life through you. None of us will be perfect till Jesus comes. But praise God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ can live his life through us. So be inspired by the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ and recognize that as you follow God, God is with you and if God is for us who can be against us. He's talking about striving against opponents, and as you, as you remain faithful to Christ, 
Listen, whatever opponents we may have, as we follow Christ in obedience, nothing can stand against us. And so be inspired by Christ's perfect obedience. Secondly, be inspired by his surpassing love. I love this. If you look in chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, if then, this is in other words the basis for what he's going to call them to do, if then there is any encouragement in Christ. Can you think of times where Christ has encouraged you in your life? Perhaps it's through a song. As I've told uh, Philip a couple of times, I said a number of times, uh, there's been a song that he has chosen that has ministered specifically to me at a place where I was at that particular time. Perhaps it's a message that's preached or something that's mentioned in the Sunday school class or in a testimony that you hear. Perhaps it's something you hear on the radio, but God encourages you and ministers to your heart in a time of need. Isn't that a wonderful thing? If there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation or comfort of love. Have you ever been touched by the Holy Spirit when you were suffering and hurting? That's the comfort or consolation of love. If any fellowship with the Spirit or in the Spirit, uh, our fellowship with God comes about through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our fellowship with each other also comes about through the power of the Holy Spirit. But uh, what a joy it is to be encouraged and lifted up through the fellowship of God's people, but even, even more so through the fellowship that we have with God himself. What a great blessing. If any affection and mercy... God treats us as his children with affection, but he also offers and extends his mercy. What a great blessing. I'm going to call this Jesus' surpassing love. You need to be inspired by the greatness of Jesus because he lived in perfect obedience, but he also lived in surpassing love, and he continues to live in surpassing love. He continues to minister to us as his people. This ought to inspire us to love other people the way that God has loved us. Jesus said, inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And by the way, these, this list of things that we've mentioned, God does this for us even though we don't deserve it, right? He doesn't say, oh, Roger, you have finally made it. <laughs> you finally deserve my encouragement and my comfort and my mercy and all these other things. Well, no, I never, I never deserve those things. But God in his grace gives them to me anyway. That's what the kind of love that we're called to have for each other. Um, that's why Christianity is set apart by love. Jesus said they'll know you're Christians by uh, your love. Why? Because love is the chief characteristic of a person filled by the Spirit of God. A lot of times I hear people say, well, you know, if you're filled with the Spirit, you'll speak in tongues. That is not the chief characteristic of being filled with the Spirit. Okay? Now, there are gifts of the Spirit, and certain people have different gifts, and that's, that's good. That's a, it's a blessing of God. Uh, but that's not the chief characteristic of being filled with the Spirit. The chief characteristic of being filled with the Spirit and so that's why in Corinthians, uh, 
Paul has all the list. He's talking about gifts in chapter 12. He's talking about gifts in chapter 14. And right there in the middle of it, he talks about love. Why? Because love is the chief characteristic of being filled with the Spirit. See, what the, what the Corinthians were doing, uh, they, were, they were, some of them considered themselves superior to other people in the church because of certain gifts they had. And they were fighting back and forth. The haves and the haves and the have-nots were fighting back and forth over these things. And Paul said, you've missed the whole point. The whole point is being filled with the Spirit and producing the fruit of love. And if you don't have love, it doesn't matter what else you do. And so this love is the way that God has loved us. And he's calling us to love. He's encouraged us. He's comforted us. He's given us fellowship with him by his grace. He's shown us affection and shown us mercy. And he calls us to do the same thing, to be inspired by the greatness of our God. I'm just amazed. The longer, the longer that I walk with God, the more amazed I am by who he is. He's just so amazing. And, and as I recognize how great he is, I'm inspired. Now, I've never measured up to, to, to never even begun to measure up, okay? But I want to live in a way that honors him. I want to live in a way that brings him glory. And one way to do that is to ask God through his Holy Spirit, Lord, love others through me. As I exercise gifts, we were talking about gifts a minute ago. Lord, as I exercise my gifts, help me to do so in a way that expresses love for other people and builds them up. Uh, and so, um, inspired by the greatness of Jesus, uh, what should inspire us? He lived in perfect obedience. He lived in surpassing love. He lived in selfless humility. Selfless humility. Look at verse 5. Adopt these same attitudes as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God. In other words, he is God. He's God the Son, fully, completely God. And as Colossians says, all the fullness of deity dwelt in him bodily, dwells in him bodily. Existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be held on to, or grasped, or it, I, like, I actually like the translation here, exploited. In other words, Jesus could have said, look, I'm God the Son. Don't ask me to become a man. Don't ask me to pay the price for redemption. Don't you know who I am? I'm God. That's not what he did. Though he was in the form of God, he didn't consider equality with God as something to be exploited. But instead, verse 7 says, he emptied himself. This is actually a debated scripture. Some of the false teachers of, of history have taken this scripture to say, well, Jesus emptied himself of his deity. Uh, and they'll say, well, the deity came on Jesus at his baptism and left before the cross because they can't put together how somebody who's God could die on the cross. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If God didn't die on the cross, all of us are in serious trouble because no mere man could have paid the price for all, 
all the sin of all humanity of all time. Jesus was fully man, but he was also fully God in one person. Never any time in his life from his birth to his death was Jesus ever not fully God. So what did he empty himself of? He emptied himself of the glory of heaven. He emptied himself of the use of some of his divine power so that he could live a life of faith like you and I. Uh, so that he could live that perfectly in our place. So that his righteousness could be credited to us. Uh, but Jesus emptied himself. And, and it's really hard for us to truly fathom the magnitude of what Jesus did when he chose to become a man. But he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant. The God of heaven said, I'm going to serve the people that I love. By the way, that's the example of servant leadership. Taking on the likeness of humanity or the form of a man. And when he'd come as a man, he became one of us. He humbled himself. Jesus chose the path of humility. I'm glad that Jesus is not arrogant and proud. Though he is greater than, than any of us can even fathom. He's not arrogant and proud. We can come to him. You ever had seen somebody who's arrogant and proud? They're, they're not approachable. You can't, you can't come, you know, they'll look down their nose at you. They'll snub you. They won't talk to you. Uh, you've, if you've experienced that, you understand what it is to have an arrogant person. But Jesus was, was not and is not that way. That's why he says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. You see, Jesus' humility means that we're unapproachable. And he says, come to me. He says, I, I, I open my arms to you. You see that with Jesus. He, he welcomed the little children. The disciples said, Jesus didn't have time for you. Jesus is not trying to bring your kids to Jesus. He's got more, more important things to do than, than to have your snot-nosed kids sit on his lap. So the disciples said, but Jesus said, no. Peter, stop it. Send the little children to him. And Jesus sat down and he took them up in his lap and he prayed over them and he blessed them and he sent them on their way. And Jesus talked to them then. Never think that you can approach the Lord Jesus. He is humble in heart. And by the way, that, that's the way we need to be as his people. We need to be inspired by that humility. Humility is a good characteristic. A lot of people don't think that in our culture today. They think that uh, you ought to be proud and uh, self-sufficient and so forth, but uh, humility is not necessarily, you know, speaking badly about yourself or trying to act like you're lowly or something. No, humility is just not thinking of yourself, but thinking of others, having an others mindset, uh, and uh, that's that's the heart of Christ, and, and this humility 
that made him so approachable is the humility that makes us approachable. I remember my sister sharing with me uh, that uh, as she was she was struggling, you know, they, they, they had gossip issues, you know, there's drama in high schools. And, uh, and she said, the very people who gossip about me on the one hand, when they have trouble, they can't talk to me. they would go to her and so uh, this is the kind of the idea that that's that's here but also there's the idea that we don't think we have to have a certain thing or a certain path in life but that we're willing to set aside our own agendas to follow the agenda that God has for us that's also part of this if you think about Jesus Jesus could have made this argument this is an argument perhaps you know I, I know I've had thoughts like this and early in, in my Christian walk I'm kind of ashamed to say this but but I have I have but Jesus Jesus could have said hey look look at something I've come for I deserve to have a good position I deserve not to go through suffering I deserve to have people treat me in the right way couldn't get upset The fact of the matter is, you just, you just show that you don't really understand your own sinfulness when you say something like that. Because truly, once we get to a, a place where we truly understand the depths of our sin, we, we could never say something like that with honesty. But Jesus could have said it honestly, because he was perfectly innocent. But he didn't. He set aside his own comfort. He set aside uh, the worship of the angels. Uh, he set aside human position. Remember the devil saying to Jesus, if you'll cast yourself down, I'll give all these things to you. If you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the nations of the earth. You can take the shortcut, Jesus. You don't have to wait. You, you can just have all the earth right now if you'll just bow down and worship me. Jesus said, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This is the humility of Jesus. He set aside his own goals, his own agenda for God's agenda. Sometimes that can be difficult and hard to do. But by the grace of God, we can do that. And that's where significance is. Because ultimately, significance is not found in impressing somebody that, that uh, lives next door to you. Or impressing somebody at work. Significance is found in fulfilling And when we choose to follow God's agenda rather than our own, we open, open the doorway uh, through our choice to God's will for our lives and to the significance for which God created us. And so this selfless humility of Christ ought to truly inspire us that someone so great would set aside everything for the sake of others. This is selfless humility. Inspired by the greatness of Jesus, what should inspire us? He lived in perfect obedience. 
and surpassing love and selfless humility and finally in complete surrender. I mentioned obedience, but I want you to see the extent not only of Jesus' obedience, but of his surrender. Jesus elsewhere said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. See, the Pharisees had a good-looking life in terms of their, their outward righteousness in the eyes of men. But their hearts were not right before God. And Jesus is saying, look, except you also, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. There needs to be a surrender of your heart and your will to Jesus Christ. This surrender is what God calls us to do. And it's a, it's a step of faith that we take. Of course, God may down the road show us other areas we need to surrender. But the idea is that as much as we know how, we surrender completely to the Lord and his purpose for our lives uh, and receive his salvation. That's the beginning of salvation. Then Jesus said it's supposed to happen that way every day. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If there was anybody else who told us that, we'd say, well, you hypocrite. You, you haven't taken up your, your cross, but Jesus has. <laughs> he has perfect authority to call us to this kind of surrender. But you see this in Jesus' complete surrender, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Of course, you've heard messages, I've preached some of them here, uh, about the pain of Jesus in crucifixion, about how they would often strip a person naked and hang them on the cross and just have a, a very, very uh, worn cloth upon them. Uh, it was a, a shame, a spectacle. Uh, they would put them beside a main thoroughfare so that people could, could ridicule them as they passed by and curse them. But this wasn't the worst part of the cross for Jesus. As he struggled in the Garden of Eden, said, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. Talk about the cup of the wrath of God. Jesus, as no one else could possibly understand, Jesus understood what the cross meant. He understood that in infinite wrath and infinite justice, the holy fury of a righteous God that was indifferent by God would be poured out upon him and he would not do it. And Jesus didn't On the one hand, Jesus says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. And of course, in the garden, Jesus says, Father, not my will, but yours be done. You and I will struggle sometimes to obey God. But we can, with Jesus, tell him our burdens and concerns. And we say, Lord, give me the grace to surrender to you. Lord, not my will. Surrender, perfect and complete surrender. Obedience to the point of death, even the death of a cross. This involves physical death. It involves spiritual death and separation from God as the Father turned away. 
it involves emotional death. As Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is what Jesus knew he would face when he surrendered everything. He said, I follow the Lord in obedience. Not my will, but yours be done. Be amazed by the greatness of the King. And then we'll watch him die. With complete understanding. Have you ever done something you said, boy, if I'd have known what I was getting into... I would never have done that. Jesus knew exactly what he was getting into. And he did it anyway. That's what he does. It makes me want to lift my hands and worship to praise his great name. Because there's no one I know that can even come close to that kind of character. That kind of love. That kind of sacrifice. That's my Savior. Now, through the filling of the Holy Spirit, you and I can follow Jesus in the path of surrender. You may have to have a conversation with God in prayer, but as you bring those things to him in prayer with thanksgiving, God can bring that peace that passes understanding and the ability to do what he's called you to do. Pray, Holy Spirit, quicken me. Give me the strength to live in obedience to you, in love, in humility, and surrender to the glory of your name. This uh, is the reason God has revealed so much of who Jesus is for us. One reason among many, I think, is to motivate us to live the life of following the footsteps of Jesus Christ, the greatest person that's ever lived. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing gift of your son. Lord, as I meditate on him and as I think and read in scripture, I feel like I'm looking at a diamond that I see facet after facet after facet. How great your son Jesus Christ is. And Lord, as we uh, look at his great life and his great love, Lord, it could seem intimidating, but I thank you, God, that you said, uh, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that with you, all things are possible. And so, Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit and your presence, inspire us with the greatness of your son, and help us walk in, in obedience and love and and surrender to, and, and, and Lord, just fulfill the purposes that you have for us to fulfill. Lord, if there's somebody here tonight who has not yet surrendered to Jesus Christ, put their trust in Jesus Christ.